Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. All right, before we get started this morning, would you do me a huge favor and give our tech team a big hand this morning? They've been scrambling. <clears throat> Apparently, we got hit by lightning this week and didn't know it, so <laughs> we found out this morning when we got here. So, uh, I, re I, rec I recently read this statement about loss of sight. I was just kind of uh, doing a little research on sight uh, and uh, read this statement, and, and I'm going to read it just as it was written. It says, vision problems may sing signal serious health conditions, and they can increase your risk for injury or death. All right, I asserted last week that uh, we uh, have swung to a different side of the spectrum for most of us to where now we pay so little attention to what's going on in the spiritual realm around us that we struggle to see. I think it's a knee-jerk response. I think it's in response to this, uh, at least when I grew up, we saw demons behind every bush and every hitchhiker was an angel, right? And so we've had this knee-jerk response, and now we swing to this opposite end, and we struggle to see into the spiritual realm. But what is true in the natural is also true in the supernatural. And if you lose the ability to see, if you have vision problems, just like in the natural, it can lead to uh, serious condi health conditions and maybe increase your risk for injury. May I submit to you this morning that what's true there is also true spiritually. If you cannot see spiritually, then you most likely are at risk for injury and you will suffer from spiritual health conditions. And so we need to be able to see. That's what this series is all about. We need to be able to see. We need to be able to discern so that we can properly defend ourselves and make good choices in life. And so I'm going to assert it again. I made this statement last week. I want to make the same statement to you again this week until it gets down into our spirit and we understand it. And that is this. Just because it's unseen does not mean that it's not real. So I told you last week that from Genesis to Revelation that there are at least 300 encounters detailed, very detailed, where the main characters in the story had spiritual encounters with this other realm. And I named some of them. I won't do that this morning, but I want us to stop and think that if it was that obvious in Scripture, then I want to ask you a question this morning. If that was taking place, then why would we think that we are exempt from having spiritual encounters just as well? If it happened on that frequent of occasion over 300 times, then why would we all come to the conclusion that there are not these, these powers and these presence uh, of these, these, these beings happening around us and we're just blind to it? We need to be able to see. The writer of Ephesians made sure to, to, to talk about this unseen world. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, it says this, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Then it goes on and it talks about praying in the spirit. So there are these two entities warring against one another, active and involved in our lives behind the scenes, and we need to be aware. I read to you last week from an account that I want to go back into. Um, last week, 
we dealt with this account and we talked about what happens when you cannot see. This week I want us to go back and look at the same account and I want us to take a different angle on it and look and see what happens when you are sighted. When you have the ability to see the unseen, what takes place? What are the benefits of that? So join me, if you will, in 2 Kings uh, chapter 6. We're going to begin reading in verse 13. We're going to read down through verse 23. And you can follow along on the screen. Uh, thank the Lord. And uh, so, uh, so here we go. So go find out where he is. This is the uh, king asking where Elisha is. He says, go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. And the report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and they surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord. What shall we do? He's freaking out. And then Elisha answers, Do not be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And as the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. And Elisha told them, This is not the road, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. And after they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. And then the Lord opened their eyes, and they looked, and then they were inside Samaria. And when the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, Shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away, and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. And one version says, from that day forward. So why do we need to... We are fleshly beings. We, we recognize that there are three parts to us, soul, spirit, body. But, but we, we seem to only, for the most part, be very uh, cognizant or aware of the, the fleshly realm. So why is it so important? If, if, if God gave me five senses, why should I move beyond those five senses and be able to see why is it so important? A couple reasons I want to say to you this morning that are so important. I want you to understand that it is important to see the unseen, because when you can see, then there's no panic. There's a plan. I want you to go back, and I, and I know I said it last week, but I want you to look at it. The servant was so blind to the supernatural that he panics. He freaks out, and he turns to Elisha. He, he goes, I guess he wakes up. Maybe Elisha wasn't an early riser. Maybe Elisha liked to sleep in. Maybe he didn't realize that we, he was supposed to spring forward, so he's still in bed thinking he's still got time to get to church. And all of a sudden, the servant runs in and shakes him and says, Elisha, we're surrounded. He's freaking out. But Elisha, because Elisha can see, there's no panic. And not only is there no panic, Elisha recognizes that there's a plan. I, it's interesting to me that Elisha's ability to see into the supernatural resulted in him being the calm, cool, collected kind of guy that we all admire. 
like all the forces are arrayed against him, and he just walks out and goes, big deal. He just blows it off because he knew there was a plan. I want to ask you this morning, do you remember the fact that there is a plan? God has a plan for you. In fact, we know it. We quote it. This is our problem. We can quote stuff we don't actually believe. We quote Jeremiah chapter 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you. There it is. He's got a plan. Woof, woof, bing, 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 bing. McFly, anybody home? He's got a plan. Then he tells us what the plan is. He says, the, the, to, to plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. If what you're facing right now is going to destroy you, then you wouldn't have a future. So we forget the plan. Listen, if we are able to see into the unseen, we would recognize that we do not have to panic because there's a plan. I want to ask you a question this morning. What, What did God say to you about you? What promises has God made into your life? Maybe it happened at a youth camp. Maybe it happened at an altar. Maybe it was in some service. Maybe it was in the privacy of your own bedroom. But at some moment, God intervened in your life and spoke in your life and said something to you, and he gave you a plan. What plans has he given you? Because, see, if we can see, then we recognize that even though our life at this moment may be painful, Even though our life at this moment, we may be facing the unexpected and the unwanted situations. Even when the path seems to be rocky, we understand that what we're going through is nothing more than an avenue we're going down as part of the plan. So we don't freak out. We don't don't worry when we recognize that our steps are ordered. See, again, we quote that. That's one of my favorite verses of Scripture. Anybody else? The steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. I like that because then, then I at least say it out of my mouth that he's ordering my steps. The only problem is, is that when my steps take me somewhere I don't really enjoy, when I, said, when I feel like God said go there and I go there, and then all I discover is pain and agony or maybe it's uncomfortable or inconvenient, and then I go, well, what in the world, God? I thought you were ordering my steps. We know how to quote it, but then we get nervous because we don't see. If we would recognize that what we are facing is nothing more than part of the plan, then we would understand that even when our steps lead us to impossible circumstances, then we would simply relax and trust the plan. The people I see that panic are the people that never see the plan. Open your eyes to his plan for your life again. What did he say? What did he promise? What did he say was going to happen for you? Because if you can see, here, catch this. If you can see, you won't scare. That, That means when you go into the doctor's office and you get a terrible report, if you can see... That he said, listen, you, you're going to live and you're not going to die so that you can proclaim the goodness of our God. Then you can, if you could see, you, you may hear bad stuff, but it won't scare you. Well, if you would understand that he's Jehovah Jireh, I know he's, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. Then I know he's got a plan for me. So then when my employer says you're fired and you don't know how you're going to pay your bills, you don't freak out. You go, oh, there's, there's got to be a plan so I can rest in the plan. Remember uh, this occasion in the New Testament. The Bible says that Jesus came to the disciples and he said, hey, let's get in the boat and do what? 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 
go to the other side, right? But then they have a storm, and they freak out. Why? Because they didn't see the plan. Jesus has already prophesied to them, hey, we're going to the other side. He had already made a promise. We're not going to just go halfway and drown. We're not just going to let you get half, halfway victory, halfway to blessing, halfway to miracles. We're going all the way to the other side, but halfway they have a storm and they freak out. If we would just remember that he didn't call us just to take us halfway, there is a plan. There is a plan. There is a plan. Open your eyes. There is a plan. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, there's a plan. He's got a plan for you. He's not going to let you die. He's not going to let you go under. There's a plan. There's a plan. When you see, you won't be scared of what he said. You will survive. I'm going to say that one more time, and then I'm going to move on. When you can see, you will not be scared of what he said that you can survive. He's here for you. Number two, when you can see, you will not settle for temporary solutions, but you will press for permanent victory. Okay, I got a lot of amens right there, but I want to tell you, I'm, I'm concerned because we don't always live like this. Let me see if I can show you. In, in this account, what takes place is the, the servant goes and wakes Elisha up, brings him outside and says, hey, we're surrounded. Elisha says, no big deal. We're, look again. And all around the other army, there's this unseen army that the servant never recognized, but now he can finally see it. There's angels everywhere, chariots of fire. I mean, they have called secret service and special forces, and they have surrounded all the enemies of Elisha, right? Do you know at that very moment right there that Elisha had a decision to make? He did. Because I want you to understand that if, there, if, if the armies of God are arrayed around and assembled around the enemies of Elisha, uh, then that also means, I don't know, I, I just read forward a little bit. It seems like every, th- every time that Elisha asked God to do something, he did it. So I, I, I need to make a logical jump then. If that's the way that Elisha and God work together, then couldn't Elisha say, look, see all these armies of angels surrounding our enemies? then I'm just going to give the command right now and these angels are going to come down and wipe this army out. I can make that logical jump because every time Elisha asked God to do something, he did it. So Elisha could have been the hero right then. He could have wiped out the entire army with one word. He could have gained a momentary victory with one word. But instead, because he could see He recognized that there was another choice to be made. And I want you to go back, and I want you to look what he does. Instead of settling for temporary victory, he makes a decision to do something different, and it results in a permanent solution. We, I love this account, but how many of us have read this account, and we always just get to the part where there's armies all around those armies, and we quit reading Because if you keep reading, the last statement may be the most important statement because of what the decision he makes and the way he handles it because he can see now Elisha gains a permanent victory. It says that the armies never invade Israel again. Ever. And I want you to understand that it is absolutely essential for us to be able to see into the spiritual realm because too many of us are settling for momentary pauses and attacks. 
And too many of us are settling for week-long victories. And too many of us are, are, are settling for month-long truces. And some of us are settling for, for, for uh, a, a few good days and a, and a few good weeks and a few good months. And we settle for some good feelings for a couple weeks. And we settle for love for just a few good months. But we never stop to see that there are other choices that we could make that could lead us into permanent, long-lasting victory. And so we settle for momentary solutions. I'm asking you to open your eyes again and quit making your decisions based on what feels good right now and what gives you peace right now. I'm asking you to open your eyes again to the spiritual happenings around you and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and show you the plan that if you would make the right choices, even though that choice may lead to uncomfortable situations right now and the circumstances may not change as fast as we would like them, if we would see back here and recognize that if I make the choice right now to do this, because God told me to do it, even though it may not result in an immediate victory, the end result is a permanent victory, and I won't have to go back again. If you don't believe that, let me just, I, I'm just, I, I know y'all get nervous when I talk about money, so I'm only going to talk about it in a minute. How many of us lay cards down because it makes us feel good right now, but six months from down here, we're going, oh my Lord, how did I get in this situation? Because you made a dumb decision six months earlier. But if we could see the plan that we don't have to have what we think we have to have right now, I don't need a new phone because my phone actually makes phone calls right now. I don't need to upgrade just because they told me I needed to. I'm, all my battery's going down too fast. It still lasts like seven hours. You actually need 12 hours of phone light. You don't have a charging cord somewhere. Why not spend the $9 and get a charging cord instead of spending the $1,900 for a new phone? We make temporary choices when we could have permanent victory. I want you to quit making permanent decisions about temporary solutions. I'm going to say that again. I need us to quit making permanent decisions about temporary situations. Open your eyes and see. Oh, I want to move on, but I hear the Holy Spirit tell me to talk about relationships for a moment. Because some of us make, oh, we make temporary decisions because we're lonely. And it gets us in trouble. And nine months later, I better go to 10 months because nine months is kind of, 10 months later, we wake up and we got more than we bargained for and we find ourselves in pain and we're having to do it all over again. How many of you know if you flunk, you got to repeat? So if you make the right choices and pass right here, then when you get back over here, you don't have to repeat that grade anymore. Permanent solutions. Third and final, I want to tell you this morning that when you can see Backup should turn into a step up. I'm going to explain, but I want to say it again. When you can see, backup should lead us to a step up. Let me see if I can explain. The servant couldn't see, so he was what? He was ready to surrender, right? But because Elisha could see, because he could see, he recognized they had backup. So when he saw that they had backup, he stepped up, right? So lack of recognition of backup causes us to step back. But when we can see, it leads to a step up. 
So I just, I just stopped by Passion Church, 3301 North Council in March to remind you, once again, you got back up. Uh, okay, so I already told you last week that God is fighting for us. So that should cause us to step up right? I, I read Psalm 91. I'm not going to read it to you again, all the ways that he would protect us. I'm not going to read that one. We've got backup. I read you out of Romans chapter 8, verse 31, that says, if God is for you, then who can be against you? We got backup. So I just want to remind you that. So I'm going to add some more sight for you today, all right? I need you to get some more sight today. I'm just going to give you some information that's going to give you some more sight so that you will recognize that you have backup, that God is for you, so that you will begin to step up and take on and face the challenges that God is allowing to come your way so that he can so show himself strong. Are you ready? Can I help you see? Let me help you see. All right, Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 22. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God himself will fight for you. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 4. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and to give you victory. Psalm chapter 34, verse 17. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Psalm chapter 44, verse 5. Though you, uh, through you we shall push back our adversaries. Through your name we will trample down those who rise up against us. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. For fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the righteousness of my right hand. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. No weapon that is formed against you shall succeed, and you shall con confute or confuse every tongue that rises up against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication from me declares the Lord. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask him for so my question is if that is true then why are we backing up that's right listen step up trust again risk again take a chance again operate in strength and authority listen i want to say the passage of scripture go in the strength that you already have Oh, y'all too quiet because, see, I, I, see this is, I think this is where we miss it. I, I, I preached the whole message to get to one statement. Here it is. Too many of us are sitting around waiting on intervention when what we really need is inspiration. And I just came to tell you this morning that you don't have to sit around waiting on an intervention. I came to give you some inspiration to help you to recognize that God is for you. He is not against you. That he, he, all those passages of Scripture are promises that we can bank on, that we can risk on, that we can bet our life against, that God is going to come through. The fact that I can see that he's got all my enemies surrounded and all my adversaries will be crushed and all the tongue that rises up against me 
me. All will be silent. No weapon. All those passages, all that does is it just helps me to see. And so I should step up. So when he says go, I go. And when he says conquer, I go, well, yeah. Why wouldn't I conquer? I got backup. When he says give, I go, I don't go, well, look at my bank account, God. I go, I got backup. When he says, go speak to someone, well, I'm too timid. No, I've got backup. When I get there, God will open my mouth, and he will help me to say what I need to say. When God says, make a change that I really don't want to make because I've been in sin, but now I, 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 I hear God saying, stop doing this, but I don't want to. Uh, it's uncomfortable. It, it's, it's out of my comfort zone. I don't know where I'm going to go. I, I, I look around and go, wait a minute. This is not a, this is not a hard choice because I got backup. And some of y'all waiting around for, for God to intervene. And I just stopped by to tell you, quit waiting on God to intervene. Let the inspiration of the fact that he's already intervened. He's already sent his forces. I don't know if you've got it yet. Some of us would respond entirely different if we would open our eyes and see that we aren't alone. I keep watching some of y'all back up, back up, back up. Why? I'm surrounded. I'm surrounded. But yeah, open your stinking eyes. You got back up. And until we are able to see in the unseen, we will keep running from things that God has already given us the ability to conquer. No weapon for Okay, come on. Do I need to do word studies? I, I know we're in the Old Testament, so it's Hebrew, not Greek. But in the New Testament, Greek, the Greek word for no means? Okay, I just wanted to check it. It's not profound. Then it must, in Hebrew, it must, no weapon. Because we want to, we want to put, we want to add. Don't you? I do. No weapon but loneliness. No weapon but cancer. No weapon but my debt. No weapon but the issue that I'm facing because my issue's got to be worse than your issue. No, 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 no. Quit adding. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I feel like Fred Hammond. No, some of y'all don't even know. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Come on, say, well, we got to get this because if we understand there's backup, then we would step up. Well, you don't know what I'm facing. I don't know what you're facing, but I know who's facing it with you. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Come on, somebody. No weapon. No weapon. No weapon. What weapon has been formed against you? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Why don't we do this? I want you to stand with me this morning. I want you to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no weapon. In your own mind, I want you to name the weapon that you feel like has been formed against you. In your, I'm not asking you to say it out loud. I'm simply asking for you to name the weapon that you feel like has been formed against fear, financial loss, Lack of employment, broken relationship, disease, confusion, depression, stupid kids, <laughs> crazy family members, 
hateful co-workers. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what the weapon is, but you do. So as I say this, I'm going to say no weapon. I want you to think in your own mind of the weapon that you know has been formed against you. Okay, that, that, we're going to stop there and then I'm going to come back. All right, here we go. On the count of three, no weapon. And in your own mind, name it. One, two, three. No weapon. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 